Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Archive Sports Business Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. And today we've got a special one. We've got a very unique guest. But I will say, watching this one on YouTube would be a benefit for you. Uh, we do describe, we, it's about jersey collecting. We do describe the jerseys. But the experience would be much better if you watch on YouTube. And also, we need the YouTube subscribers. We need people going to YouTube. Uh, the if you've been listening on the podcast apps and streams, we really appreciate it. We we've, we've been growing there exponentially, I'll say, which we really appreciate. Uh, but for those people, the thousands of listens that we're getting there, please go to YouTube. I think we have like thirty subscribers on YouTube, and I get it's a podcast, but we do film these podcasts and. Again, if you can go to the YouTube and watch the video and like and subscribe and comment and all of that stuff, it helps us. And I will say, again, I'm very appreciative. Uh, it's a small operation here. Uh, I'm very appreciative of the basically the exponential growth on people listening. Uh, it's a lot of work to put on a podcast. And people listening, we really appreciate it. But we need some of those people to go over to YouTube and watch the videos and subscribe and like the videos. This would be a great one to start on because we show these jerseys. And if you want to see these jerseys that are very rare, please go to YouTube to watch. Okay. That's my soapbox. Now we're joined by Bigsby Stewart, who runs a Instagram page called Atlanta Roulier Roulier Collection. That's my French for you. That's all you get. And it has a lot of great jerseys on there. And I saw the great jerseys and I reached out to him and we had a great discussion about sort of where the jerseys come from, where people get them, how you get them, all of that kind of stuff. And we look through the jerseys. So please... Thank you for listening. Enjoy this podcast. Go to YouTube, subscribe. Thank you. All right. So we're joined here by Bixby Stewart. Um, and I kind of found out about you through Instagram. You have an Instagram uh, channel or profile where you share some of your jersey collecting. And what is that uh, profile, the Instagram? Yeah. So, so I've named it the, the Atlanta Ruler Collection. Okay. I wanted you to say um, it because my French is very bad. Uh, <laughs> you know, ru ru ruler always comes out a little tough when you're an American. I think that the the correct pronunciation is ruler, but I prefer okay. uh, adding a bit of British twang to it and, and saying ruler. Okay, great. Well, yeah, thanks for joining us. And um, like I said, on that channel, you've got a lot of jerseys, and that really caught my attention as a cycling fan, seeing all of those. Uh, how did you get started in the jersey collecting uh, game. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, it's, I, you know, I don't know that there's really, really one day where, uh, where I just sort of committed to becoming a Jersey collector, but I think it's more, um, it's more just something that's taken place over a long period of time. You know, so I started mountain biking with my brother and dad when I was a kid, that's kind of how I got into the sport. And then in, uh, it was in 2000 after a certain American had, had been terrorizing, uh, the tour de France. Yeah. But I really got into uh, professional cycling and kind of learning Good. about the sport and how it worked. And of course, 
you know, I grew up a big fan of Postal Service and Lance and all those guys. So, um, you know, I was a fan of that team, but I was also a fan of, of all their gear, right? So the bikes, the helmets, the sunglasses, you know, the kit and all the variations of, you know, of kit that they had. Um, and so over the years, you know, just as a, you know, as a fan and uh, non-competitive cyclist, you know, I had collected a bunch of the jerseys they wore, you know, the bibs, the jackets, the winter jackets, the vests, um, all of that stuff. And so that was kind of, you know, I grew up as a fan of, of the gear and the jerseys and all that. And then, um, you know, here we are, you know, many years later and, uh, you know, I've been lucky to sort of get plugged in with this global collector's community where, um, sure, you know, I yeah, think folks so, take it uh, a, a bit more seriously and make it a bit more formal of a hobby. Yeah. So I was going to ask, so what is the community like, you know, how do you go about building this collection? Are there a lot of other people that do this? Where do you, where do you get yeah. the jerseys and, and that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's, it, it's, so I'll say that the, I think that the global Jersey collecting community is, uh, is not that big, but I think that the depth of it is, is one of the things that I just find completely fascinating. You know, I mean, and there's not that many folks that do this in, uh, in the United States, right? I mean, cycling's not, not nearly as, uh, as big of a sport here as it is overseas, but I mean, in Europe, you have guys who collect, uh, I mean, you name it and there are collectors overseas for it. I mean, um, musettes, you know, jerseys, obviously jerseys from certain teams, from certain riders, um, water bottles, helmets, bicycles. I mean, it's, uh, it's a very large, very, uh, again, it's small, but again, very diverse, uh, set of sure. collectors globally. And, uh, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, in terms of your question about where do you get the jerseys, sure. um, you know, that too, there's not, you know, there's not one answer, right. They come from a variety of different channels. Um, you know, you could very simply go on eBay today and you, you, you could, you could buy a cycling Jersey from, you know, from Zdenek Stibar or, um, you know, there's probably something for Lance Armstrong on there today. Uh, that's the easiest way to do it. That's also usually one of the more expensive avenues. Um, there's also similar type of secondary market websites overseas. Uh, you can acquire jerseys, uh, from the teams directly, right? That doesn't happen too frequently, but it's possible. Um, you know, if you have a really good network, you could get it from a rider directly. Um, again, that's pretty infrequent and, you know, especially here in the U S we just don't have those types of, you know, of, um, of contacts. Um, there's also outlets that purchase the gear from teams at the end of the season, and we'll sell them back to, you know, folks like myself. Um, you know, there's a company out of Denmark, Prone Cycling, that does that. A company in Girona, the Pro Cycling Outlet. You can, you can buy team-issued pro gear that these guys get rid of at the end of the season because, you know, once the season ends on December 31st, you can't wear that gear anymore because you get sure. different sponsors on January 1st. Yeah, um, the jersey's going to so yeah, look I mean, totally different. Exactly. Different sponsors, different look. Um, so you, again, they come from all over the place. They come from friends. They also come from other collectors as well. Um, kind of once you've built up your network. Yeah. I was going to say kind of the difference in items is big. You know, you've got like water bottles and hats, things that get discarded yeah. mid race and then all the way up to bikes. You know, you see a lot of teams, uh, literally just direct selling their bikes to the public at the end of the year. Right. Right. Red, you know, if they've got, depending on what their sponsorship looks like you know, they may be getting, getting new bikes or something like that. And it's kind of like a source of revenue for a lot of these teams. Yeah, uh, totally. Yeah. But they're not, you know, they're not discarding those. And I would think same with a Jersey, it's going to be, you know, either directly from the team or kind of through these outlets, like you, you mentioned. So, yeah, yeah. I, 
I think that's right. Yeah. So you've got, um, you brought some jerseys with you. Uh, do you want to start in on any particular one? And again, like if you're listening, we'll kind of describe it, but also uh, we'll post this on YouTube so you can see it and kind of see the jerseys that we're, that we're talking about. Um, is there one that you'd like to start yeah, with? Sure. Yeah, sure. I've, I've got a few different ones and, you know, I'll sort of caveat this by saying, uh, so I've chosen four jerseys that we can talk about and you know, I'm happy to answer any questions about these or again, any other jerseys you'd like to discuss. Um, you know, I don't know that these are, these are necessarily my all time favorite jerseys in my collection, sure. but, uh, you know, I, I think that I hope that they sort of tell a story of, um, you know, each Jersey is unique and I think they're all unique for different reasons. The first can be, um, from the way the jerseys acquired. So I think the acquisition story tends to be quite, quite interesting around a lot of these. And then secondly, jerseys can be unique uh, because of who wore them, what race they were worn in, you know, a variety of other reasons. Um, sure. And so as I go through these, hopefully you sort of get a flavor for how, you know, this hobby works, you know, at least from my perspective. Um, and so the, the first one that I'll share is a 2005, a 2005 okay. Nike uh, Discovery Channel winter thermal long sleeve jersey looks uh looks nondescript to to the average eyes you know i actually had one just like this when i was in high school that i'd, I'd ride around uh, ride around town in and so i saw this on ebay um it was 15 dollars. it was uh what, what caught my eye initially it was it was an extra small and so if you just go you know browse ebay or these secondary marketplaces extra small is a bit of an odd size to come by um and so I looked at the pictures and there was an interesting detail that I noticed, which is that on the tag, there's actually the initials TD on it. So I don't know if you can see this. Or okay. Not. Yeah. And, and for those listening, I'll just say it's a discovery channel pro cycling Jersey, you know, similar to what, uh, you know, the Lance would have worn in the 2005, uh, tour. So exactly. Yeah. Um, and so it had the initials TD in there and, you know, back in 2005, I was up on Brasstown Bald in Georgia uh, for the tour of Georgia when a certain Tom Danielson won the stage. Okay. Um, and so I, I, I sort of thought maybe that was Tom Danielson's jersey. I mean, he, you know, he was a tiny guy at the time, extra smalls and odd size, TD in the tag. It's 15 bucks. I'll take a risk on it. Um, so I bought the jersey. And when it arrived, upon further inspection, you know, it's got grease all over it. And then when I opened it up, I discovered that, I don't know if you can see this, there's a radio pocket yes, on the inside. radio pocket. Yep. Right. So that's a dead giveaway. This was not a retail jersey. This is not something that I could have gone out and bought. Um, so, yeah, in fact, this did turn out to be a jersey that belonged to Tom Danielson back in 2005. And, you know, I think that that story is interesting because uh, it is possible to find these gems, you know, on, on these websites like eBay. It doesn't happen very frequently, but uh, it is possible. Um, you know, I've So that was just guys, listed as a that was just listed as a normal Jersey. Right. Like just, yeah. Right. Yeah. Some seller who had, you know, a thousand different pieces of, uh, of, you know, sports equipment and they had no idea what it was. So, um, yeah, you know, kind of a cool story. And again, it's, you know, it's fun because I was a big fan of his back in, uh, back in 2005. So, um, interesting story in, in terms of the acquisition and then of course, finding out, you know, that it did belong to a rider. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and so was that, was that something that was most likely just discarded in the tour of Georgia or, um, you know, how would that have gotten into that, uh, yeah. the eBay sellers hands potentially? Yeah. Or, or it's, you, it's you a, don't know. 
Yeah, it's it's a good question, you know, and, and a whole lot of this, uh, this hobby, um, you know, one of the, the fun things I find about this hobby is that you really don't know a lot of yeah. that history. So, you know, oftentimes you kind of have to track it down as best you can. But yeah, for that jersey, um, who knows, you know, I, I don't back then, I don't think many guys were racing in thermal jerseys. I think that was more likely a training jersey. Um, okay. And, you know, it may have just been used for, uh, you know, preseason training at a training camp. It may have been used throughout the entire season for training, you know, out, out of his home base. Who knows? I'll, I'll never know. But um, yeah, yeah, that's that's just one example of how you can get lucky sometimes. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so that that's example one. Okay. Um, Example two is, uh, you know, again, once, once you get into the, the hobby and you, you sort of build a, a network of um, a network with, of, of folks who, who do sort of the same thing. Um, sometimes folks are just nice to you and they sort of see which, you know, where your passion lies, right? You know, I grew up a postal service fan and, you know, I think folks sort of know that. Um, so I was actually in Paris for the tour in 2009 and 2010. Okay. And we got to link up with other Americans and, um, you know, we spent the whole day with them on the Champs-Élysées and, you know, built a great friendship. We recently reconnected and, um, you know, that gentleman sent me this, you know, completely outstanding uh, 2005 Nike Project Swift Discovery Channel time trial suit. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So this is an- another one where uh, this was never something we could have purchased. Uh, you know, at a Nike town or on Nike.com or anything back in the day. And this is an example of, uh, you know, the acquisition story I love because, you know, this is a gentleman who, uh, you know, I built a friendship with, you know, a very long time ago. And, uh, you know, 10 years later, we reconnect and he sends me this, you know, fantastic piece of history. But I like it as well, because, uh, you know, I don't know who this belonged to. I'll never know whose kit this was. But the technology behind this was really, really, um, you know, amazing, especially back, you know, in 2005, Nike had created this Project Swift where they were uh, tasked with designing the fastest speed suit possible. And all that technology was used for track and field athletes. Um, it was used for Olympic athletes as well as Lance Armstrong. And so when you look at this, this suit here, it's got a variety of different materials. Um, you know, it's got these di- this dimpled material on the sleeves, you know, this very... F- very, uh, you know, aerodynamic, non-wrinkle polyester on the front. And interestingly, you can also sort of see even the way the seams flow on this piece of kit, they flow as air would flow over the body on a bike. Okay. So um, again, it's interesting because this was one of the most technologically advanced suits in 2005. Um, Yeah, it belonged to somebody on the team. I'll never know who. But I think that this was, uh, you know, an important suit because nowadays you look in the pro peloton and guys don't race in jerseys anymore. You know, they all yeah. race in these one piece skin suits. Yeah. And the dimples um, and I think, on the sleeves is a big, uh, the dimples on the sleeves is a big thing now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean yeah. that, you know, that was groundbreaking technology, um, you know, in 2005, but, uh, you know, I think a lot of the technology that's in that suit, you probably still see in the pro peloton today. Sure. So, so yeah, that's another example of you know, you build this network of friends just through being a fan of the sport. And, you know, every now and then um, you get something really nice like that in the middle. Oh, yeah. So when you, in, in 09 and 2010, when you, did you go just to Paris or did you follow any of the other stages or uh, what was it like no. when you went and looked at the two of those years? Yeah, we, so we just did Paris. Um, okay. 
And so, yeah, I was over there with my family. I, we, we did the same in 2005, uh, as we thought that would be, uh, you know, the last tour that Lance and those guys did. Um, but yeah, it was fantastic. We didn't do the VIP experience or anything like that. So, uh, you know, we get to the Champs-Élysées, we linked up with the Livestrong and the, you know, the Lance Armstrong Foundation folks. And we sort of set up this American contingent on the front row of the Champs-Élysées. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was just a really cool experience. You get out there, you know, five, 6 a.m., got your chairs with you, and uh, we put up the metal barricades so nobody would come into our little territory. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you wait for a long time for those guys to come in because they don't arrive until the end of the day. Sure. But, um, yeah. you know, totally worth it. And at the end of the day, most of the riders will come over and talk to you and, you know, take pictures with everybody. So, uh, you know, definitely a, a worthwhile experience. And Paris is nice too because they do so many laps around town. Sure. That, um, you know, if you're going to wait for 12 hours, you at least get to see them more, more than once. More than once. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yeah. I've done some of the mountain stages and you it's, it, I've never done Paris, but it's you, you see them once, you know, you're kind of out there camping right. and doing different stuff, but you know, the parade goes by and then they go by and then you get off the mountain. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean, I've, I've always wanted to go, you know, I've always wanted to go out to as or volunteer, you know, some of those, yeah. uh, some of the more epic climbs, but uh, but yeah, for sure. I think it's probably a very different experience. Uh, I don't think one's better than the other. I think they're both just, just completely different. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So that's, that, that's example two. Um, see, I'll show you a couple more. This one, um, this is one that I acquired uh, via an exchange with another collector in Europe. And this is quite common in this global collecting community to, um, uh, to exchange jerseys. And, you know, there are some folks who I, who I find are, are purely financially motivated um, with respect to their collecting hobbies. You know, they just want to buy something cheap and, and clip the biggest margin they can and, you know, sell it for the most they can. Um, other folks just sort of have a passion for it. You know, I, I would say other folks are kind of like myself where they, um, everything that I acquire, everything that I put in my collection, I intend to hold. You know, I, I don't have any plans to sell or exchange any of this. Sure. But um but yeah, exchanging is quite common. And so I had a gentleman in Europe reach out to me uh, late last year. He knew that I'm a, you know, a big Vanderpool fan. If you follow the sport, of course you're a Vanderpool fan. And he had seen another one of the jerseys that I owned and he was interested in uh, potentially exchanging with me. So, um, so you know, I, I agreed to it. I, I thought it was a fair, a fair transaction. And uh, you know, I was really, really excited to get, to get this fantastic wow. uh, 2019 um, it's a Callus. Callus is the brand. Primarily in Jersey for these guys. Um, but it's interesting because, again, this is not something that was ever sold, uh, you know, through retail channels. But you know, when we think of Matthew Vanderpool in uh, 2019, I think most of us think of the, you know, the Dutch kit, right? Because he, he sure. was the Dutch national champion for the majority of that season. Um, but there were a few races after he concluded his mountain bike campaign where, uh, you know, he didn't defend the Jersey on the road because he was, you know, he, he was in the middle of his mountain biking season. Um, but he did actually wear this kit for some of the last races of the season. So, uh, so I love this one because it's, uh, again, very hard to find, you know, real team issue race worn stuff for a legend like him. Um, but also because it was, if you, if you, if you don't know enough about jerseys in the sport, you really wouldn't even know that he ever wore a jersey like this because it just was seen so infrequently that season. Sure. Um, and again, how do you know it's his, the dead giveaway is the Dutch stripes on the arm. Right. Yeah. So, um, 
so yeah, I was excited to get this one. And, uh, you know, I think that's just the, the acquisition story I love because I, I don't really do much exchanging with other folks, but, uh, you know, I appreciated someone reaching out to me who had seen my collection and, uh, you know, just sort of knew you know, where my yeah, favorite I was going to say, and, so like, how common is that? Have you done exchanges before or was that the first and only or? Yeah. For, so for me, that's, yeah, that's, that's my first and only. Um, but I think that, I think amongst other collectors, I think it's, it's very, very frequent. You know, like I said, I, I take a, a bit of a different approach and, you know, it's also different because I'm here in the United States. Sure. Um, you know, most of these guys, you know, there are a lot of folks in Belgium and I think that it's just a lot easier to transact, right. If, you know, if you're regionally much closer yeah. to one another. Um, but yeah, again, you know, I sort of take the approach of, you know, anything that I, that I get, um, you know, I don't purchase or invest in something with the intention of getting rid of it down the road. Um, but, you know, again, if folks reach out and they, they'd like to do something like that, I'll always consider it. You know, that was an example where, uh, you know, I was happy to, to make something work. Sure. Have you connected with any more like U.S. collectors through like having the Instagram or anything like that? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah. When, when I, when I started, um, when I sort of made the decision to start this Instagram account and just share uh, you know, it's just a side hobby that I, I think is fun. And I figured other people yeah. might enjoy it too. Um, yeah, it was really cool. You know, I, I realized that there are definitely some other guys here in the U S who are, uh, you know, who are very, very legitimate collectors. Um, you know, I mean, guys who are much more legitimate than I am who have, uh, you know, amazing jerseys, you know, from some of the biggest stars in the world, you know, they have personal connections with these riders. And, uh, you know, again, kind of what I said earlier, one of the things I love about this hobby is that, uh, is that everybody's kind of got their thing. You know, everybody's kind of, you can sort of look at someone's collection and tell, uh, you know, a lot about that person's history in the sport and their favorites in the sport. Um, so, you know, you sort of see that too here in the U.S. The other guys I speak to, you know, they've got, they've got their own favorite riders and they've got amazing jerseys from those riders. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of cool that we all have different interests uh, or different, um, uh, different interests within the same, the same hobby, if you will. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Different niches within the collecting. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's three of the four. And then, so the last one I'll share with you is from a name that, you know, I, I think should be a household name within the professional cycling community these days. Um, but if, you know, if you don't follow cyclocross, uh, maybe you'd be less familiar with them, but it's, it's a Tom Pitcock, um, a Tom Pitcock race suit. So here we have a 2017, 2018, uh, map is the manufacturer. Um, this is Tom Pidcock's elite cyclocross national champion winter cyclocross skin suit. Wow. So it's fleece, okay. fleece and Roubaix lined. Uh, obviously, you know, it's, it's a one piece, it's a one piece skin suit and, uh, you know, it's tiny. Um, I don't know anybody who could fit into this, but him and, you know, he was nice enough to sign this for me, but, uh, you know, it's, it's really, you know, I've been a fan of him for, for a few years. I think that he's one of the you know, one of the good guys, one of the protagonists in the cyclocross world is one of the few people that can actually rival, um, you know, the two dominant legends of the sport yeah. today, you know, Wout and Vanderpool. So uh, it's been fun to follow him. And, you know, the story around this one, I, I also really like. And so in 2019, he had, uh, he had posted on Instagram that he was going to be selling a bunch of his old kit to raise money to, um, to fund the purchase of a number of trees that him his mother's family and volunteers were going to be planting around the UK. And so, okay. uh, so he posts all this stuff online 
And um, again, you know, I, I was extremely excited to, to be able to get something, something like this, which, um, you know, it's nice to see he was, you know, a U23 at the time, but elite national champion, which was so impressive. And, uh, you know, he was nice enough to sign it for me, but, you know, he ended up raising nearly 5,000 pounds, I think. Um, you know, they bought 2000 trees. I'm not sure how many have been planted yet, but it's, uh, you know, it's not a typical way to acquire jerseys. And, uh, you know, that doesn't happen very often where riders will sell their stuff directly to the public, sure. but it just goes to show that, uh, you know, when it comes to, to acquiring this type of stuff, there's just so many, uh, different ways that it can be done. And that's, uh, yeah, just another very, very interesting Jersey from a very, um, yeah, you know, and an interesting way that it was acquired. Oh yeah, and that and that's part of this the story and part of the jersey is that acquisition story and how you went yeah. about it and yeah, it's it adds to the whole fabric of the of the jersey. Exactly. But yeah. Are there are those collectible water bottles behind you? Or do you have they, do you collect they any, are, yeah. any kind of paraphernalia besides the jerseys or? You know, I, I wouldn't say that I, uh, I wouldn't really say that I formally do, uh, but, but oftentimes just as a byproduct of, you know, this hobby, um, stuff like that pops up. So, uh, so yeah, this one is a, is a, you know, it's a four, four gold is the nutrition sponsor for Alpes and Phoenix. Um, and it's actually co-owned by, by Matthew Vanderpool. And so that's signed by him. And then uh, over my left shoulder, we have an Olympic Games from 2012 water bottle signed by uh, Sir Bradley Wiggins. Cool. And so, you know, I, I don't really formally collect other stuff, but yeah, I mean, when you get to know, you know, the folks Comes in this community, the territory. yeah, sometimes yeah. cool stuff like that pops up. Yeah. So Bradley Wiggins, I, I noticed that book behind you as well. Is that, is that your favorite writer? Do you have a favorite writer? Uh nowadays or you know throughout your first few years of collecting and that kind of stuff yeah uh yeah i mean he he's 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 definitely one one of my favorites you know do i have one favorite you know if it, growing up without question anybody who knows me would would tell you that uh yeah that i, I was a big lance fan you know and uh, we all sort of know the controversy around that but um yeah i mean look for you know, he, he, him and postal service and everything that those guys did back then, that was kind of one of the reasons I initially got into the sport. So, you know, sort of irrespective of you know, the negative consequences of, um, you know, all this transpired there. Yeah. I mean, always, uh, you know, sort of be a fan of the sporting accomplishments, you know, of, of him and his team. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I mean, over the years, they're just, you know, the cancellars of the world. I always love watching, um, just, you know, such a dominant, powerful rider who can just roll off the front the of the motor. Peloton. Yeah just made it look so easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, Wigo, if, you know, if you're, if you like the sport, if, especially if you're a collector, you have to, you know, he's got to be up there with some of your favorites. And then, um, you know, sort of today uh, it's, it's quite the consensus view, but I think you have to, you know, you have to love the way that, you know, the wild van arts and, you know, the Matthew Vanderpools of the world, uh, the way that those guys ride, you know, it's just, it's, it's unlike anything that we've seen in recent years. So um, but yeah, you know, there's, I, I could, I could talk all day about my favorite, about my favorite writers. I'll, I'll try yeah. to, I'll try not to take up too much of your podcast. Doing no, that, no, no, that's good. Yeah. I I'm, uh, I'm kind of guilty of the exact same thing with Lance. Like that's like just my, you know, when I was growing up or whatever, that's kind of what got me into it was, 
his dominance. I think I kind of came around in like his third or fourth uh, tour win. My like mom was actually watching it and had me watch it, and went, so I just got sucked in. Um, yeah, yeah. kind of the same thing. It's like, uh, you know, what's transpired. There's everyone knows the story, but it's at least for me at that time, it was a big, you know, it was a big reason that I got into into the sport or became a fan of the sport. Yeah. I mean, look, I think, I, I think that there's a whole, uh, you know, I think there's, there's not just one generation, right. Of cyclists um, and fans of the sport alike. Um, but I think there, there's many generations of folks, right. Who, who probably uh, stick to that same script. Right. Um, yeah. So again, you know, there's no need to get into the, to the backstory of the controversy, but yeah, look, without, Without, you know, Johan Bruniel and, you know, Postal Service and, uh, you know, what those Americans did um, in France years ago, uh, who knows, you know, maybe, maybe I wouldn't be a fan of cycling at all today, you know, which seems crazy, but it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's because of those guys that I got into the sport and here we are today, uh, you know, 20 plus years later. And, you know, I'm as big of a fan now as I was, you know, even back then. Sure. What what do you think about just a little bit on the stuff on the road? Like, what do you think about the future of the sport? Like, do you see Pogachar and, you know, someone like him, you know, potentially being yeah. a dominant force, like somebody like Lance, or do you think, um, you know, there's going to be more of kind of a, a mixture of winners throughout the upcoming years or where do you see some of that? Yeah. Or do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I can say that without question, I'm extremely excited about this young crop of riders that, uh, you know, that we're seeing today. Um, and, you know, I mean, you want to talk about Wout and Vanderpool and, you know, I, I don't know how old those guys are, 25, 26, but I mean, Tom Pidcock, you know, this guy's a, he's a grenadier and he's 21 years old. Um, yeah, I mean, Paul Gatrar, it's, it, it, you know, you, you can't have this discussion without talking about Remco as well. And, you know, I, I hate that, uh, I hate that he's, you know, he's injured and still recovering because I think that he is, when you look at this, you know, the young cyclists, I think he's the one who has the most, um, you know, as we think of stage races and, uh, you know, the dominance that we saw from Lance back, you know, uh, back in the two thousands and, you know, late nineties, I think that he, you know, he, he's probably the one that sticks out as having the most potential, right. To be the most dominant when it comes okay. to races like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we're sort of seeing the, the beginning of one of the greatest rivalries in the sport today, right. Um, in the, in the one day races between, you know, the Dutchman and, you know, the Belgian, but, um, you know, it's, it's hard to say, I, I don't know that we'll, you know, I'd love to say, I'd love to say that we will see somebody, you know, that dominates and wins seven plus tours in my lifetime. But, uh, you know, it, 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 it feels like the playing field is, um, you know, it's a little bit more level now than it was then. Sure. Yeah. Which, which, I, which I think is exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. And I mean, the odds of something like that happening, it's sort of, you know, and I mean, I know these are Johan's words, but when they ask like, who's the next Lance, who's going to take over? He's like, there is no, there is no yeah, next totally. Lance. You, you can't, but I think, yeah, like the young guys is really, really encouraging. I mean, especially now, I mean, you know, four or five years ago, it didn't quite look like that, but now there's a lot of really young guys who uh, probably are going to do big things for a long time. Yeah. And, and yeah. look, and they're fun to watch too. You yeah. Know, I, I, um, you know, no, 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 no fault to team sky. I mean, it, you know, their strategy has been very successful, but yes. pro cycling, I, I think has been, um, you know, I don't want anyone to, 
send me hate mail for this, but I think it's been quite boring for, for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you have all these young guys who, you know, step up to these big races and are launching attacks 50, 60 K out. I mean, it's uh, it's a lot more unpredictable. And as a viewer, I mean, it's fantastic. So it's a better um, product. So yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. See, so yeah, I love the racing style of the aggression. I think, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a great sport to watch over the next, you know, 10 plus years, hopefully. Awesome. Well, do you have any big uh, targets that you're hunting for on the collecting front? What's the next big uh, thing you're looking for? You know, we're uh, this little, uh, this little community of people like myself, we're always hunting. <laughs> we're, 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 we're always looking and we're always, yeah. uh, we're always trying to find the next thing. Um, I, you know, I don't know that there's really one thing that I'm looking for. Um, because, you know, again, if, if you could have any Jersey in the world, you know, if you ask me that question, I don't even know what I would tell you, but, um, you know, everybody would love to have a race worn suit or a race worn Jersey from, um, you know, from a, you know, a grand tour leader or, you know, the Perry Roubaix winner that still got the dirt, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, the mud all over it. So, um, you know, I think that those are sort of the things that we're all hoping to eventually, you know, own something like that. But, uh, you know, in the meantime, you know, I'm trying to keep, uh, the collection sort of small and focused around, um, you know, some of my, my favorites, you know, and you can look at my Instagram account and sort of tell who those are, right. It's, you know, it's the old, you know, Lance postal service type, um, type gear. It's, you know, the Vanderpool and Wout gear, um, out there today. I'm also a big fan of, uh, you know, it's Denix bar. So, I'll keep my eyes posted and, and sort of see if there's anything that pops up. But yeah, like I said, it's, uh, you know, the good and bad thing about the sport is that you're always looking for the next thing and you're always hunting for something new and exciting. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, well, this was awesome. I really enjoyed this and uh, I'll post kind of like the Instagram link below so people can, you know, go look at the, look at basically your whole collection and kind of see, uh, yeah, sure. see for themselves what you've got. And uh, if they want to reach out to you, they can do that there as well. But I, I really enjoyed this. Thank you for uh, yeah. for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. And, um, yeah, hopefully the, you know, the Instagram should give you a little bit of insight into, you know, how the collection looks today. And I still got, um, you know, plenty of things that haven't been shared on there. So I look forward to you know, continuing to share those with, you know, folks like you and other collectors around the world. So yeah, thanks again for having me. I really appreciate the discussion. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you. You have a great day. Yeah. Thanks. Chris.